We're Talking Giants with Talking Giants podcast host, Bobby Skinner. We're going to cover everything from A to Z. That's coming up next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Chena, and happy to have you with us. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day or of watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. And joining us on today's program, we're going to be Talking Giants with Talking Giants co-host Bobby Skinner. I know a lot of you have asked for him. He is here. Bobby, thank you so much for coming on the program with me. Thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm, I don't, I usually enjoy the time off, and I'm sure, and I am, but for some reason this year, I think it's because, actually, I know why it's because the Giants won last year. I'm counting down the days till training. Camp. I need that <laughs> training camp schedule. I'm excited to get there. Okay. I thought I was the only one because usually I can't wait for the six weeks downtime, and I'm like, Oh, we're only in week one. So, yeah. But yes, I, I share your sentiment and certainly a lot to talk about with regards to the New York Giants. And I think we need to kind of rewind a little bit and look at all the things that general manager Joe Sheen did in the offseason. You know, Darren Waller, the draft class, Bobby Okereke. Where do you think, Bobby, the biggest impact move? was do you think it was Waller Okereke or maybe it was a combination of stuff I'm gonna say Okereke because he kind of is a he's like a long-term and a short-term uh signing you know he's here for four years and I I hope that he will play through that contract um Waller Wall is the better player can have a bigger impact we also we had like a solid player in Daniel Bellinger, and we trusted this offense, you know, this offensive coaching staff and this quarterback and, and Saquon, like to build around the players that they have. But Okereke was an absolute must. You had to go get a linebacker. We all knew in free agency they were going to get a linebacker because we didn't think they were going to take one in the first round or or even the second round. So they had to go out and get one in free agency. And lucky for them, it was a, a linebacker free agency class that was very deep. You know, I think there was like eight or nine guys that were – you know, worth starter uh, starter money in in the class. So Okereke, um, I think he's going to help in a, a lot of different ways. Um, and he, I mean, linebacker was the weakest position on the team last year. Wide receiver was the position we all talked about. Offensive line is always at the front of your mind, but linebacker was the weakest position on the team. And to me, the tiebreaker is that I know Okereke is going to be there for all 17 games. Waller, it's the only concern with Waller, but that is the concern that he, he could miss time. Were you surprised that in in free agency, the Giants really didn't address the back end that they instead did so via the draft? Um, Not so much. I'm trying to think of what other what corners were out there in free agency. Now, I I thought that they might go out and get even if they, you know, they didn't bring back Julian Love, which is something I, I kind of forecasted them might doing. Um, because they, because he didn't assign at the bye week, which it seemed like it was going to happen. It's like, okay, then they're, they're further apart if they can't get this done at the bye week. I thought maybe they go, might go out there and get someone in free agency. And they got Bobby McCain, but I thought maybe someone over the vet minimum that McCain got. Um, but the cornerback class was really fun. You know, like it was whether you're going to take one the first round, which they did with Deontay Banks, 
or in the second round, you know, a guy that was picked right before them in Tyreek Stevenson. There was a lot of corners. It seemed to be a deep corner class. So I think I think everybody who did mock drafts for the Giants had them going corner in the first or second round. Yeah, I know I did. And I think in one of my mocks, I had them get, getting Deontay Banks. And a couple of people just snickered at me and said, nah, they're not going to. Deontay Banks is second round. And I'm like, I don't know about that. Because there were whispers that he was moving up the, the value board. But, and that's... Uh, that's the difference of being picking at the end of the first round compared to being in the top exactly. 10, you know, what we've been used to, where it's like, you're probably going to get someone that you maybe have great as a high second, you know, like I, I, I did my evaluation on banks about a month before the draft and I tweeted out, I was like, Hey, there's some rawness to his game, but it's like his athletic profile, his skill set is definitely something you can see Wink Martindale <laughs> one to get his hands on and mold. And nevertheless, we see Wink Martindale celebrating the pick on, on, you know, the first night of the draft. Yeah, yeah, that was quite the sight. And Wink is still celebrating that pick, you know, months later, yeah. uh, a month or so later. So, all right, you know, let's go back to the offensive side. You know, Daniel Jones coming off probably his best career year last year, gets the new contract. Where can Daniel Jones take the next step in his development? So everyone's going to talk about like, hey, let's push the ball downfield. And that's definitely part of it. But that wasn't really on the menu for the offense last year. Like they, it wasn't like he was passing. Like there was these shots that were to be taken that he was, you know, twenty plus yards down the field that he was passing up. It was just that really wasn't on the menu for the offense because they knew the personnel that they had with the wide receivers, the offensive line, tight end, all that good stuff. Now that stuff's going to be on the menu. So can we take that without, you know, like I don't need you to be first in interception rate like he was this past season, but. Let's stay, let's let's be between fifth and eighth in interception interception rate. Um, so can we take those? The one thing you look at his game from last year and you see a negative because there really wasn't much is those sideline hole shots on like those two man high low reads. They were there, you know, a few times. Like those are you'd go through a Daniel Jones game last year and be like ninety five percent of this right decision. The only time it wasn't was like those hole shots which he's. He's thrown. He's we've seen him. We've seen him be aggressive with that in the past. So just taking those taking those shots because those are those are drive movers, you know, getting 18, 19 yards. And a lot of times he complete the pass on that play, but it's only for five, six yards and compared to the 20 yards you get. So um now that you have more speed and and more defenses will have to respect, you know, more than just one wide receiver, uh speed and, and Darius Slayton like last <laughs> season. You know how well can we, you know, process and spread the ball around and, and gain chunk plays? Not not just not just throwing, you know, 30, 40 yard bombs, but getting those fifteen to twenty five yard chunk plays. Let's talk about the receivers for a moment because the Giants, you know, I think a lot of people will say they don't have a legitimate number one receiver unless you count Waller, who's a tight end. But do the Giants have enough different skill sets? I mean, I know you weren't there in the spring, but. It looked like they were moving guys around. They were trying some different looks and whatnot. You know, Jamison Slaughter, uh, Crowder, excuse me, was lining up in the slot. Um, we saw Darius Slayton come into the slot. We saw a lot more pre-snap movements. Based on what we know about this receiver group, do they have enough to get by, even though they don't have the quote-unquote number one guy? I mean, they were the number 15 offense in the NFL last year, and – they started the season with David Sills starting. And then there was games where Marcus Johnson and David Sills were starting in the season. And you only had one person that was, you know, a threat, you know, that had to, that had to be uh, respected deep. And that was Darius Slayton. Isaiah Hodgins came on well towards the end of the year, but you go look at his numbers and they weren't 
through the roof. You know, he had he had good red zone numbers with the touchdowns, but he was usually getting about 40 to 50 yards uh, per game, which is solid, but it's not great. So Slayton was the only threat on the offense. Well, now you add Jalen Hyatt, Darren Waller, Paris Campbell. Like, you can go out there with 11 personnel, and you've got speed across the board, and it has to be respected, So, which makes the life easy. Like, it makes Darius Slayton big plays more available. It allows quick plays to turn the big plays with Paris Campbell and his yak ability. I remember – I'm so glad he finally had a healthy year because I remember him coming out of Ohio State. And in particular watching, you know, breaking down Dwayne Haskins, I was like, man, this Paris Campbell guy, he takes two-yard passes and turns them into 75-yard touchdowns. So Paris Campbell has a lot of that yak ability and then whatever they can get out of Hyatt. So you have speed. You have the good route runners and Isaiah Hodgins, Shepard if he can stay healthy, and then Wandale's kind of the wild card. So, yeah, I mean, wide receiver, like cut down day is going to be very interesting. Now, if there's injuries, it'll be less interesting. But cut down day is going to be interesting because Jameson Crowder would have been a starter week one for this team probably last season, and he's a, a he probably gets cut. Uh, if if things stand the way they are right now, Colin Johnson would have been a starter week one last season. We don't like he's he's probably on the outside looking in as of this moment. So there's enough there's enough solid players to to get by through a season, and not and I'm glad they didn't force the wide receiver one need this past all season. Yeah, Joe Shane showing some patience when it comes to you know trading for a receiver or you know going for a a, a stud defensive uh, outside linebacker or whatever the you know a cornerback yeah. whatever. Just holding his water, you know. And speaking of trades, the Giants next year they they're not getting any comp picks because you know they signed more guys than they brought in. When you look at some of the excess at certain position groups, receiver, maybe cornerback, um, maybe even offensive line. I mean, who are some guys that you think potentially the Giants might be able to move if everything you know if everybody stays healthy, that can maybe yield a, an extra day three pick or maybe even a day two pick. Boy, um, I don't know if there's anyone on their roster. The only person, and this could be a wild card, is if they really like Campbell and being like, "Hey, I know we invested a second round pick. We're going to trade Wandell Robinson." But I don't, I don't really see anybody. The only like I could see bottom end of the, you know, how it goes during training camp. It's like a guy's a likely cut. You trade him and you swap a six and a fifth round pick. You know, like the way the Giants are. Uh, you know, attain Ben Bredesen, who ended up being a good trade for uh, the Giants, even though it was out of desperation. Uh, so I could see maybe something like that, you know, the way the Giants, uh, you know, attained Isaac Yadam a couple of years ago. But I'm trying to really know no one on this, unless they just suck. Like at the trade deadline, they stink. Then you could see Darius Slayton be traded, you know, who has another year on his contract and has been a talk of, you know, trade deadlines in past uh, past seasons. Uh, but as long as they are in a in a spot where they feel like they're going for the playoffs, I don't really see anybody being traded on the team. I mean, we have to see how it plays out, obviously, but I would think Joe Shane might look to do something because he's got to get more draft picks. I mean, he's shown that he likes to have extra picks to move up and down the board accordingly, unless next year he he just says, you know what, I'm going to trade down, and that's how I'm going to acquire more picks, which is certainly a possibility. But right it's now, the first just, time it's yeah. the first time in a while going into a draft, and obviously this all could change. Where it's just like their picks are just one through seven, what they have. They're not missing any. They don't have any extras. As of right now. That's subject yeah. to change, obviously. All right. We're talking with Bobby Skinner of Talking Giants. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back. 
We're going to talk about some key contributors for the 2023 season. Don't go anywhere. Hey, Giant fans, get in on all the sports action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if their first bet does not win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on today and sign up to claim your no-sweat first bet. FanDuel offers great promotions, a safe and secure app to set your bets, and instant payments. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. All right, everybody, you got Patricia Trainer here on the Locked On Giants podcast, and I'm joined by Bobby Skinner of Talking Giants, one half of the dynamic duo over there at Talking Giants uh, with Justin Penick. And uh, Bobby, let's talk about key contributors for the Giants in 2023. And I'm not talking, obviously, the Wallers and the Barclays of the other world. I'm talking about guys who maybe had a smaller role last year that might potentially have a bigger role, whether it be on offense or defense this coming year. I think Cordell Flott is a is a is an answer where it's like, hey, where, no matter where he's going to be, like the expectation now is to start week one. Mm-hmm. You know, where last year he's a third round rookie, he's raw. But he got some playing time towards the end of the year. Look, you know, held 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 up all right. Now the expectation is to start, and depending on how you play, is how you're going to be received. If you're not playing well by week eight, you're going to be in a like like people aren't going to talk about patience. They're going to be talking about that waste of a third round pick. Um, if you're good, then we're talking about you as a steal. So I think Cordell Flott is very critical to this team and someone who didn't really get a ton of run last year. Um, from other guys from last year's team is Azudu and Bredesen. And we had Dan uh, Duggan on the show last <laughs> week. And, uh, and I'm going to ask you to do the same thing for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same, we're going to, I'm going to ask you the same thing that we asked him. If Mark Lewinsky is struggling, like he did towards the start of last season, can we hammer the coaching staff on why one of Ben Bredesen or Josh Azudu will be on the bench? Cause Ben Bredesen was their best interior guy last year. And they were rotating him with Nick Gates instead of just having those two start uh, over, you know, either, you know, either putting Gates out over Feliciano, who we saw the league even coming off of a broken leg respects Gates a lot more than they do Feliciano with the contracts they both got. And then Golinski. So, like, unless Azudu is just really not ready and not good, then, you know, Bredesen's playing. But if Bredesen's on the bench, which we would hope that a Josh Azudu, a high third round pick, is starting in year two. He was better than Mark Lewinsky, and he's younger. So, like, really, the only thing going for Lewinsky is the contract. Um, so, Ben, like, I think Ben Bredesen should maybe be starting. I don't know if that really answered the question, but I, I can, I can foresee myself being frustrated with the yeah. the the lineup for the offensive line on the interior. Yeah, no, I, I get your point, and you know, to be fair to Lewinsky, how much of his struggles were a result of Neil struggling next to him. And then, you know, Neil going out of the lineup because sometimes, and you know, you played offensive line, I think in, in college, you know, sometimes the guy next to you can either bring you up or he can drag you down. So, you know, but I could see a scenario where if you start to see Glowinski rotating with, you know, Bredesen or McKeithen or whoever, that's a sign that, you know, they're getting ready to to make a transition because if, as you know, whenever they, rotate offensive linemen in there it means that they don't know who they want so yeah just I, it's, it just stinks for a guy like ben bredesen who 
again, was their best interior guy last season, and he seems to be the guy without even a position to just fully practice at, where he's at center and left guard and and nothing at right guard yet, even though he's played there in his career. So it's just, <coughs> you know, it reminds me of Nick Gates 2020, where Nick Gates at the end of the 2019 season was playing better than basically everyone on that offensive line not named Kevin Zeitler, but there didn't seem to be any clear path home for him. It's like you weren't going to play him at tackle. That wasn't his home. The guards were filled by Hernandez and Zeitler. Neither one of those guys benched. Like, all right, put him at center. And it ended up working out for them. Uh, that's where I view Ben Bredesen coming off this past season, where it's like on an offensive line that wasn't good, Ben Bredesen probably shouldn't be on the bench. Yeah, I, I'd like to see him in there somewhere. But where I'm not sure, um, you know, he's going to compete at center, although we, I think we both agree that John Michael Schmitz is going to yeah. win that job. Um, the left guard competition for sure he's going to compete at. So we'll see where he lands up. But just going back to the original question, what about a bigger role for Aaron Robinson, Daniel Bellinger, Dane Belton, maybe Jason Pinnock? Do you see bigger roles for those guys? Belton will be the interesting one because, you know, Sean Marash, uh, he had him on his show uh, a couple weeks ago and said, like, hey, he re-injured the, collar, the, the collarbone. Uh, you know, and that's why he wasn't playing towards down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's the safety position next to McKinney is wide open, and you can make a case for like four or five different guys, like Bobby McCain, Pinnock, Belton, and I think even Javarius Owens, uh, the seventh round pick out of Houston. Like, he's got better film than a late seventh round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the other? Oh, Aaron Robinson. Aaron Robinson, Aaron Robinson, if he can stay healthy, that was the most frustrating thing about last season with their cornerback situation is like. Man, I don't think this guy's going to be good on the outside, but I, I I like him on the slot, and especially in this Wink Martindale defense where he plays that press man. He's very physical in the run game. Where, like I, Aaron Robinson is not a player if I would give up on if 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 you can get health out of him, especially as a slot corner. I don't want him on the outside. He was on the outside last year out of necessity, and then got injured. But slot corner could be a nice home for him. Like I haven't given up on him as a player yet. It's just the injuries are so uh, frustrating. So, but now you have Adore Jackson, you have Cordell Flott and Deontay Banks. Can Ann Robinson come back healthy, stay healthy, and challenge for some playing time? Or if a guy goes down, come in there and step in and play well. Yeah, you know, I thought the same thing about Aaron Robinson because he played the slot in college and the Giants felt that he had the size to move outside. Then, of course, he goes and he gets injured. But now they've got Banks and Jackson who are going to be your, their perimeter guys. And, you know, I asked Jerome Henderson about maybe having a committee at slot. And he said, you know, ideally you want to have one guy who could do it all, but given how offenses are mixing and matching their slot receivers, putting a tight end in there, a bigger receiver, a smaller receiver, what have you, you want to be able to play matchup football. And they haven't really been able to do that, you know, as much as they wanted to last year. And his offenses are putting, you know, you know, they're more wide receiver base, more, you know, 11 personnel. The more slot wide receivers and slot corners become a part of run fits, and that's a worry with Cordell Flott with his weight. You know, I'm interested to see what he's weighing at now, but Cordell Flott got eaten alive by blocks last season because of that size, where Aaron Robinson, that's a strength for him. Like, he can come in and put his nose in in the run game and make a difference. Um, Flack is something that is important. I know that's something that they're, they've emphasized with the additions of Ashawn and, and Nacho. Okay, okay, like, they were embarrassed by the way that they could not stop the run last year. Yeah, that was that was 
I blame that on the linebackers. I mean, the linebackers couldn't fill the holes. You know, they just no. There's one. It's in the worst. I and mean, we've seen some I, I bad mean, linebacker play for for the last five years. But since I've been covering the team in 2019, it was the worst linebacker play. Yeah. And we started week one in 2019 with Alec Ogletree and Tay Davis. Yeah, it was pretty bad. But you know, they did fortify it. Okereke, you know, they they Gerard Davis should be a little bit better now that he's had a full off season. They're getting Darian Beavers back. Micah McFadden's the guy that Wink Martindale was praising. You know, they I think they've got a couple of other guys. Um, Carter Coughlin, Cam Brown can, you know, maybe get them some snaps. So they've got competition there. And quite honestly, how often are they going to be in their base anyway? So, you know, maybe those guys will end up in the sub packages, I would think. But, uh, you know, I guess they need to see where the strength's going to be. If it's going to be at that second linebacker or if it makes more sense to put an extra DB on the field, you know, for, for the run support. So that's going to be an interesting battle as well. Now, another, you know, position that I think was kind of a surprise to me that they didn't really do anything with was outside linebacker. They basically had the same cast of characters as last year. Did that surprise you? And are you concerned about that? Well, that's the, obviously everyone loves trading up for Deontay Banks and trying for Jalen Hire, right? I like, and I, and I agree, like, but, I pointed it out after the draft. It was like, hey, be excited about it. But there's also downfalls to this. You got you lost a fourth round pick, a fifth round pick, the seventh. I don't, I don't care about. But you lost a fourth round and a, a pick and a fifth round pick. You know, you went between your next pick after Jalen Hyatt was a comp pick uh, and Eric Gray, um, or maybe not a comp pick. Maybe the pick from the the their other sixth round pick or fifth round pick. Um, that's where you get those depth guys and. They are one injury away from Kayvon and Aziz to having a bad edge room. And Aziz was injured like five different times last season. Uh, Shahad Ward's a good edge setter, good run defender, but he gives you no pass rush production, like none whatsoever. Um, and as good as a run defender is, there's times where he's not able to make the play because he doesn't have the athleticism to finish that play. Uh, and we need we need Kayvon to – the Giants really need Kayvon to step up as a run defender. He's got it in him. He was a little streaky last season but yeah after that i mean ocean Zimenez, who it's it's a mean line but my line for him is he's a pass rush specialist who doesn't rush the passer very well uh ellison smith who's play you know got uh, injured after one defensive snap last season timon fox who he's a guy who can rush with the plan but he's limited you really have nobody else out there you know have it uh, you know baldonado the 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 udfa they got a pit he can be a good run defender but he's probably not going to give you a ton as a passers production but i think he's someone who can actually make the roster you know fox made the roster last season i can see baldonado making the roster because they just have no depth there and they're one injury away from having a bad starting duo there so am i exaggerating when i say that that position is maybe a little bit of a concern oh abso- absolutely and that's a position where if I thought the best player available was that position, take it in the first round. You know, like if they drafted Miles Murphy in the first round, I would have been celebrating it uh, this past year. Like I thought he was a first round player in the end of the first round. I would have been celebrating that. So, but hey, this is, it's a, it's a weird situation for the Giants where they're ahead of schedule where they made the playoffs last year where they weren't supposed to make the playoffs. So you want to build on that, but you, you look at the roster and it's barren and there is no way you were going to turn it all the way around and, and just two offs. And so that's where as much as we're excited about the giants, they made the playoffs. You kind of got to temper your expectations a little bit. It's like there's still a lot to be built out on this roster. 
All right. And coming up next, we're going to talk about some of those concerns and what still needs to be done. So don't go anywhere. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. You got Patricia Trainer, your host, and I'm joined by Bobby Skinner of Talking Giants, one half of the dyna- dynamic duo over there. And uh, we are talking Giants, you know, I mean, it's the name of the, your podcast, yeah. Locked on Giants, we're locked on. So, and uh, Bobby, you know, when you look at concerns for this team, now I haven't even mentioned Saquon, so I got I, I got to mention it. I know people are tired of hearing about the situation there, but let me ask you, you know, I have my opinions about how it's going to play out, but how concerned are you about where this is headed with Saquon? To be honest, I'm not concerned at all because I think Saquon playing on the franchise tag is good for the Giants. Right. It's I, I feel like it's the Giants being able to get their cake and have it too, where everyone's like, You can't let Saquon walk. It's like, no, we're Giants aren't letting him walk. They're playing him on the franchise tag. I do not expect him to miss a single game, even if he misses all of all of training camp. I mean, he's the guy who won't even leak out information. You think he's gonna you know, because he doesn't want to look bad, he's not gonna miss a game for the team. Like, even if it's not right, fans will turn on him quick if he's missing uh missing games. Uh but with his injury history, with his history of not dealing with being banged up very good like and the running back position while I don't buy it into it as much as other people like the he's someone that is worrisome with uh if he can stay healthy so I, I don't really want to put a lot of years invested into him but I also no way I want to lose that type of player who's that important for this team from the team so I think the franchise tag is having their cake and eating it too do you think he'll play I mean sign the franchise tag or do you think they'll get a long-term deal done with him so this depends, and this is where we don't know the guaranteed money. Uh, it's, it's frustrating. If the guaranteed money that the Giants are offering is solid and the hang-up, like everyone's saying that thinks the guaranteed money is the hang-up, because Saquon says he doesn't want to reset the market. But Saquon went into these negotiations asking for $16 million. Have they, have they really budged off of that? Has Saquon Barkley's team? Because that's not resetting the market. That's just getting, you know, what to Christian McCaffrey got, not resetting the market, especially, you know, two years uh, after that, too. So, you know, the, the market's supposed to go up, even though it didn't for the running back spot. Uh, if the guaranteed money that the Giants are offering is solid, I think he's going to he's going to crack and sign the contract. But if the guaranteed money is bad, along with the third, like the 13 to 14 million average annual value, then I see him playing on the franchise tag. But. There, if the if the guaranteed money is solid at thirteen million a year, I think Saquon Barkley realizes like, hey, this sucks. This is not where I wanted this to go. But playing on the franchise tag is not going to do me any favors. Yeah, you know. And then the other thing, Bobby, that I wonder about, and I, I, I you know, unless I'm misreading the tea leaves here, you know, in the past Saquon was the offense. Now moving forward, they have some other options to where maybe they don't have to dump as much on him that maybe they can, you know, reduce some of his snaps just a little bit to keep him fresh. Because as you mentioned, he does get dinged. He was dinged last year, had the shoulder and and we saw a drop off, you know, in the middle part of the year. And that's where I get a little frustrated with the conversation around Saquon. It's like, well, the offense ran through him. It's like, well, who else on this roster did you want them to run the offense through? Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins? Like, sorry, that's that's not going to happen. Now they add Darren Wall. Now they add some more speed. This should be a little more of a balanced offense. And the offense running through Saquon Barkley was to its detriment in the middle of the season. Like that middle part of the season when they were losing and people were like, see, 
when you know the Saquon, the offense ran through Saquon. It's like, yeah, the Giants would continue to hand the ball to him like 20 times a game, though, and we're doing play action on second and 15, and no one was bite at biting it at that point. Um, so that was the problem. And then when they stopped running it through them, and because teams were game planning for Saquon and started doing drop back quick game stuff. That's when you saw the offense the best. That's when you saw Saquon Barkley start to, you know, his yard per carry started to go up. Um, you know, like the, the playoff game. He had nine carries in that game. Oh, Saquon can't get just nine carries. That was beautiful. He he took advantage of every single one. I don't need Saquon being a high-volume guy. He doesn't need to lead the league in carries like he did last year. He needs to be a guy who takes advantage of every single touch, and that's when Saquon Barkley is at his best. He's never supposed to be a Derrick Henry workhorse type of back. So now that you add Darren Waller, you add some speed, yeah, hopefully the offense shouldn't have to run uh, through him. You know, like Daniel Jones had more rushing yards than him through that four-game stretch, uh, that four-game lull in the middle of the season. You know, the, the Texans game last year, that to me was one of the worst offensive game plans of the season, despite the fact that they won. The Texans were selling out to stop the run, and they ran the ball 35 times. The only time they scored is when they threw the ball on early downs. Like, all of the scoring was due to Daniel Jones passing, and, and because the Texans were leaving it there. But the Giants were not taking it. They just continued to hand it off and hand it off. So thank God the Texans' offense was bad enough that the Giants didn't lose that game because they did not play well offensively, despite the fact that that was like Daniel Jones' highest yards per attempt in his career. Uh you know, but they only let him throw a ball a handful of times, even though every single pass turned into like 20 to 25 yards. Um, so, yeah, hopefully the offense doesn't run through Saquon Barkley going forward. And it's not a knock on Saquon. It's just that shouldn't be the way that that's not the winning way. If we had an offensive line that was just dominant and as run blockers, then, yeah, go for it. But we're not there. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll see. But uh, some question marks certainly on that offensive line, like we talked about earlier. Speaking of question marks, there are still some Daniel Jones haters out there that think that last year, you know, he, he wasn't anything special, you know, one hit wonder, whatever, whatever you want to call it. I don't know what side of the fence you stand on, but, you know, when you look at Daniel Jones's game, where can he get better? And do you think last year was just him just getting lucky because he was in a contract year? Yeah, those whole shots is is where they get that. No, I don't think Daniel, like if you go and watch film of those Jason Garrett years, like you saw how much this offense, this, the play calling hauled this offense back. And I cannot like offensive coordinator is always the easy scapegoat for a fan base. Right. But like, no, go actually watch it, man. And it was really, really bad. And Hey, you can call Jason Garrett, uh, the offensive coordinator, the scapegoat. Joe Judge wanted to fire Jason Garrett, but the, 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 the front office, didn't let him, uh, and then eventually they did, and then they had one healthy play of Daniel Jones before he got injured with the with Freddie Kitchens. And I don't think Freddie Kitchens is going to be some all world offensive coordinator either. Uh, so finally, they had like people say, "Well, does Daniel Jones need everything to be perfect around him to succeed?" No, but can we get one of the three elements good of uh, offensive line, receiving uh, receivers, or play calling? Like last year, he had basically one and a half. He had a good play, good offensive coaching. And a good left tackle, which the rest of the offensive line wasn't good pass blocking, but at least a left tackle. So he had one and a half of the three uh, aspects that really help a quarterback. So, no, I don't think it was a fluke. Now, do I think Daniel Jones is ever going to be a top five quarterback? Absolutely not. I don't think he's ever going to be an MVP. But I also don't think you – I think there's value in having a good quarterback that's not great in the NFL. And 
we we broke this down where I'm using the phrase the Giants can have their cake and eat it too. Giving Daniel Jones contract does not stop that from moving on from him in the future. We looked at the five young, the five best young quarterbacks in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes, Herbert, Burrow, Allen, Lamar Jackson. Those are like the five best young guys. Uh, you can even throw Jalen Hurts in there. Every single guy, one of those guys when they were drafted, most of them weren't drafted first overall, except for Joe Burrow. Um, all five of those teams had quarterbacks under contract, like real real contracts. You know, Phillip Rivers, uh, Andy Dalton, um, Alex Smith, um, Tyrod Taylor, the bit, and even the the one that had the smallest was Tyrod Taylor, but the Bills were coming off of a playoff burst. So they had to trade up from 22 to go get their guy. Um, and then the, you know, the Ravens had Joe Flacco, the Eagles had, they didn't even start beginning to pay uh, Carson Wentz when they drafted Jalen Hurts. So if they, two years from now that Daniel Jones is solid, but he's not really the guy that they want to go for going forward, it doesn't stop them from going and getting that, that guy that they identify. Now, if that guy's at one, one, yeah, it pro- it stops them from getting the guy who's going to go first overall. But how many times do we look back at a draft and it's the quarterback that went 11th that ends up being the best in the class? Overall, Bobby, where's your biggest concern about this team moving forward? What, what's the one factor that you think if it doesn't pan out, it's going to derail things? Evan Neal. Mm. Uh, I think he is the biggest decider of how good this offense can be. Now, with the new additions, the offense should be better regardless. Uh, you have guys that can beat man coverage and create big plays, which you don't need the best offensive line in the world to beat man coverage for big plays. But to beat zone coverages and zone beating plays down the field, you do need protection, and it limits what you can do. Like a, a lot of the stuff that Buffalo did well, and they didn't even do it with great offensive lines. But Evan Neal, his he is the decider of how good this offense can be to me. Like I think he's the decider of if he's good, it could be a top 10 offense without a doubt. If he's not, I think they're limited to like that 14th to 20th range. Amazing how one player can just kind of sway the opinions and the expectations. And he was picked seventh overall, so it's not like we're yeah. putting – unnecessary expectations on the guy like he's he's supposed to be really good well let's hope he takes that andrew thomas like leap in year two you know mm-hmm. um working with willie anderson should certainly help you yeah. know having exclusively worked on the right side after working you know on the left side during his final year of college that should help because you're right if if he doesn't step up that whole offensive line you're like mm, you know doesn't oh yeah i mean it's it's immediate. He was giving up a meet like quick, quick pressures, right? Yeah. So if he can, if he could just be slightly above average, like it's a huge, huge upgrade for this team. Yeah, definitely. All right, Bobby. Great stuff as always. I appreciate you coming on with me. He is Bobby Skinner of Talking Giants. Make sure you check out their pods. I'm sure a lot of you already are, but they do a great job. Bobby and Justin, uh, two of my favorites. So Bobby, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, it was good seeing you catching up and giant fans. I want to thank you for tuning in to the locked on giants podcast. Make sure you keep it here all week. We have more interviews coming up. We've got coach Gene Clemens, former NFL executive, Jeff uh, diamond is going to be on the program. We're going to have Mina uh, Kimes of ESPN. She's going to be on with me next week. So we got plenty, plenty more coming up for Bobby Skinner. I'm Patricia Chano giant fans. We will see you again tomorrow.